Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Welcome, everybody, to The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. Today, I have Kiersey Miles, who's a team lead physical therapist with Pediatric Developmental Therapy. And Kiersey has actually done a whole bunch of podcasts with me before, but it's actually been a little bit of time since you've done one, right? It has. Kind of. So welcome back. Glad you're back. Thanks for having me. First, introduce yourself, Kiersey, and then we'll rock on with our stuff. Kirstie, I'm a physical therapist. I work over in the Southern Pines area, but I've actually been getting out to Fayetteville quite a bit more recently, and I've been enjoying seeing the different clinics and kind of being a part of that more. But I oversee Purple Team and the contract sites over here in the Southern Pines area, Rockingham and Rayford, and keep busy doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a full-time job. Yeah, and you have been getting over here to our Oliver Street location, and I'm glad to have you here with me. And today we are actually talking about the do's and don'ts of taping. First off, why don't you just tell everybody what taping is? Because from somebody like me who's a speech therapist who doesn't tape anybody on anything unless you're talking about like scotch tape on a piece of paper or taping like <laughs> a, a podcast taping or whatever, then we need to define taping. So just define taping for everybody first. Okay. Well, when you're talking about taping, there's a number of different kinds of tape, which we'll get into a little bit too, but you're doing it for a purpose. So as a therapist, ultimately you need to know what that purpose is before you even start taping, but you can be doing it for muscle facilitation or you can be doing it for alignment. So that's why in the clinics we'll be having a kinesio tape and also like a rigid strapping tape that's not stretchy. So there's different ways you can go with the tape. Some things that you'll read and research will say that it helps to increase the circulation below the skin. So there are ways to tape for that. But we do a lot of facilitation of movement and realignment of joints because we want children to move in the proper sequence. And we use the tape for a cue because it's really hard to have your hands on a child the whole time and then to try and play a game. Like, how are you going to do that? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) So you can't stand behind them the whole time and hold them. Like, you got to engage with them. Yes. So. Because <laughs> it is a little person, like a two, right. three, four, five, six-year-old. It requires some social interaction and connection yeah. during the therapy session. <laughs> yes. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, so the taping helps you to facilitate, like you were saying, the movement, right. or you just said it a whole lot better than I did, but the taping allows you to facilitate the movement or, and it allows you to, what, fill the blank in for me. Realign the joint. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. in the proper pattern that you're looking for. And we can use it on a number of different joints. So we've got OTs taping one area, PTs taping a different area. It just depends on what it is you're trying to achieve. And really, this whole podcast came from, you recently did a class for us here at PDT for each of our Mm -hmm. clinic sites for all of our OTs and PTs called All Taped Up. Yes. And there's a whole class that you put together. It was extensive, I thought, in terms of basically just taping, how to tape, when to tape, what to tape. And then y'all did real like hands-on workshops where you taped each other. It was fabulous, really. So this stemmed 
out of that all taped up event and give a little bit more information than I did just then of the overview of the event, why we did it, sort of talk us through it a little bit better than I just did right there. Sure. I think we have a lot of newer therapists and even seasoned therapists that just want more information, more education. And so the fact that we're able to provide that at PDT is just an added bonus. And I really wanted people to not be afraid of it. I mean, we have the tape in the clinic, but I think they shy away from it because they're just not sure exactly where to start. And so the idea for that class was give them the basics and enough to get started to build the confidence so they can start to branch out and explore on their own because every patient is going to be so individualized. And I think that's where, like, get out of your textbook. You know, it's just, we're treating an individual and every individual is going to have their own basic needs. So just really helping them to see the basics and being like, hey, there's not a wrong answer. And if you get it wrong, you fix it the next time and you adjust and there's constantly changes because they gain more range of motion or more movement and you need less tape or more tape or, you know, they kind of just getting him to see that it's okay, just get started. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me the most when you were doing this class, because it was really excellent. We got so much good feedback from the observer looking in and speech therapists were not really taped anybody ever. So I was in an observer role for this. Our therapists were so excited and engaged. And I think also just your enthusiasm with it and teaching it, I thought was awesome in the event. And I think that's one thing that's made this event really special, but it also makes a lot of our educational opportunities here special is that when we do have people talk and do events like this, if you do something or if I do something, or if we bring an outside person in, or you know, we've had other podcasts where we've highlighted other therapists and that kind of thing, when they taught or spoke, like when Nikki did her torticollis and she did a podcast with me and she did that at your team meeting, just the enthusiasm. Like the enthusiasm for the material that's being taught and the enthusiasm for we really want our therapists to learn this stuff. It just makes for a fun learning environment and one where people are like, oh, yeah, I really want to know this stuff, you know. Definitely. And I saw that and I saw two of the three happening and that was just very evident there and it just made it more fun. And it really made it, I think, a better class because just of the enthusiasm, yours and then the participants. So today, though, we're actually going to do a brief overview of the do's and don'ts of taping. You're not going to do the class that you did for everybody because that's not a podcast um, anymore, is it? That's like an no. online webinar. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so we're going to stick with the podcast format, and we're just going to do an overview of the do's and don'ts of taping. And then we'll Sounds tell people good. to stay tuned for the online webinar that doesn't exist right now, but that we'll be creating. right so there we go so did you already tell us what taping does or do we need to talk a little bit more about what does tape do well no it really serves as your second set of hands when we do neuromuscular facilitation we're doing the range of motion and then trying to gain strength in our newly acquired range of motion the tape is going to help cue and make that happen it's a modality to help meet your end result Like we look at that as a modality. We look at that as your second set of hands, if you will. So you can engage with a child and, you know, we treat the whole child. So Mm -hmm. if you've got your hands on a child and you're working on their leg, you can't really engage with Mm -hmm. them. And a lot of our children are not coming in with any one particular thing that we're working on. They've got a lot of different needs. You know, we need to be ready for all of that. 
Yeah. So the taping is something that you're doing, you're setting up and using like in the session. It's not something you're doing and say, okay, here, go home with this. It's, well, you could also be saying here, go home with this, <laughs> but it's something that you're actually using in the session to get something to happen. Yes. So where do you start? Do you kind of have to know in advance what you're looking for, like what you want to get when you're, you wouldn't just sort of say, hey, look, I'm just going to slap some tape on this one because it looks like a good spot to put that in. You have sort of a plan. Yes. You have to know, like, what functional outcome are you looking for? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And what is the muscle you're targeting? Like, which one do you want to fire? And then you got to go review your anatomy because you need to know where it originates, where it inserts, what line across the body it follows because that's where you're putting your tape. So you might have to pull out a book and look at your atlas and look at your anatomy, use Google, use whatever you need. <laughs> so YouTube it, doesn't matter. <laughs> you use an electronic medical records, then you have a computer at your disposal. Yes. And I think most everybody I know right now has a smartphone and that's mm-hmm. a computer. So mm-hmm. there you go. You can <laughs> pull it up and look at it. You were saying that when you did the class that you added the anatomy part as a last minute thing. I did. You know, I was getting ready for the Tuesday presentation and on Monday I'm like, you know, I think some anatomy review is going to be really helpful. And I think that was like the greatest feedback that I got was everybody liked Mm -hmm. the anatomy and wanted bigger pictures of it. Yeah. Well, they're older now. Um, They can't see as good. But anyway, but (laughs) not just no. But but you mean like they wanted bigger pictures just so they could see, just get a better review. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so they really appreciated the review. And I think once you get out of school, it's one of those things that, oh, yeah, I remember that for the test. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact specifics. I kind of know. But it's nice to be able to review that and really add to your knowledge and help with parent education. Because when you're able to explain it and break it down, you get more buy in. You know what you're talking about to that parent. Well, credibility is what it is. It, just, it gives you more credibility and they're like, oh, well, I guess this person, I mean, they got a license hanging up right there, but I guess they actually earned it. When I first started down here and I first met my husband's boss, he was like, oh, you work in pediatrics? So you forget like all the real stuff. Huh. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said? Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you have to know him. He's yeah, just no, I think it's funny. That. So I set out, I'm like, I don't want to be that pediatric therapist that just forgets all their ortho and can't step into that and do a little bit of that every now and then because I think that that's so important and I think that's what makes you a more well-rounded therapist. So I don't like that view of they don't know anything about anything else. It's actually funny you're saying that. Long years ago, I was doing modified barium and salsa on an infant. And I had sort of the same exact experience because I was explaining the results. And at that time, I had the luxury of the video so I could show the video to this physician. And it was just a situation. The physician was there and I think a PA was there. And I was explaining to them, hey, this is why the child's aspirate and turning blue and blah, blah, blah. And this is what we need to do. And, uh, and he said at the end, he goes, well, I didn't know speech therapists did this. And I said, well, yeah, we he goes, well, this is, sounds like hard stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean hard <laughs> stuff? Like, like we, like, this is, like, what? <laughs> and so I, that has stuck with me through the years. And I thought, well, what did he think I did? Like, just said, I mean, I don't know what he thought I did. But anyway, he goes, this is, sounds like hard stuff. I'm like, well, just because I know the body parts doesn't mean, but I could label everything correctly. And I understood how it worked and used and integrated and worked together. And he said, yes. So I, ever since then, also, it sort of stuck with me. And I don't think we've shared these stories with each other ever. No. I didn't know this. And so um, <laughs> what you said. And so it stuck with me ever since then, too. But I needed to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I mean, I know what I'm talking about, but I need to be able to back it up with the right language and words and all that. 
Exactly. So, there are some days when I'm at the end of the day, I'm thinking, oh, my heavens to mercy. I barely even know my name right now. Much. I hope <laughs> I don't have to have an educated conversation because I don't, but I do know it. <laughs> All right. You have a plan. You reviewed your anatomy. You know what you're doing, you know what you're taping for. So how do you know what tape to use? We have different types of tape, kinesio tape, mm-hmm. leuco tape. We are going to have a cover roll, which goes under the leuco tape. Rock tape is another type of kinesio tape. It's all going to just depend on individual preferences, and they're pretty much similar. Some of them have different, like, stretch or pull. But the kinesio tapes are generally very similar. And then you have a different progression of tapes. So mm-hmm. with what we stock, we're going to say to use the kinesio tape first because it's going to give the least amount of resistance and it's going to serve more with facilitation than alignment. So you're getting more movement. It's less restrictive. It's designed to cue the muscle. You're looking for the muscle to contract. So when you lay the kinesio tape on, you're going from the origin of the muscle to the insertion of the muscle and you're looking to help that muscle. Usually it's overstretched or it's not firing. So you want to help that muscle to fire. And if you're using like the cover roll and leuco tape, either in combo or separately, the kinesio tape you'll try first. If you're not getting enough of what you're looking for, you might step up and use the cover roll. There's still some stretch in there, not quite as much. For a foot, your whole body weight's coming down on it and you're really pronating and that heel is just not staying aligned. You might use the cover roll and the leuco tape so you can really put that joint back into good alignment because if you don't have good alignment, the muscles aren't going to fire right. You're not going to get the activation you need. You might be working on a child who's severely pronated and you're trying to work on jumping, Mm. but those muscles aren't going to be firing correctly Mm -hmm. to produce the functional outcome that you're trying to achieve. Gotcha. That makes sense. So you could use a cover roll separate from the leuco tape, and it, or you use a cover roll underneath the leuco tape. Yeah. So what I've told them to do is start with kinesio; it's least invasive, and then mm-hmm. work your way up. So you're not putting too much on the child because that's also going to fatigue them really quickly. And so, when does a rock tape come in? Is that the last? Sort? Rock tape is also a type of kinesio tape, so it's just ah. another name that you'll hear out there. Okay. It's just a different type. It has less stretch. Just a different brand, yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Nike and Adidas or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, much. <laughs> gotcha. But rock tape with the name, it sounds like it's like stiff, like it won't move. Yeah, and it probably does have a little more of a rigid characteristic than like the Kinesio Tech tape. Mm-hmm. And even the Kinesio tapes, they come in different colors. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like the black has a lot less stretch to it than the blue. Mm. So for our purposes, we're going to go with the blue and that color. And then if you need to step up, you'll go to the cover roll. Like we don't need to stock three or four different kinds of the Kinesio tape because we have multiple options of tape. Gotcha. That makes sense. And does that go, do you think, for pediatrics and adults? Or is this more just a pediatric kind of protocol? You know, I think it can go for anybody because you always want to start least Mm. restrictive, least invasive. So I think it can go for anybody you're taping. Abiding, we get into the precautions of taping next, but that's a consideration when you're going through the process of where to start. Gotcha. So they always start with kinesio first and then work our way kind of up. So we yep. basically here at PET, we stock all three, the kinesio mm-hmm. tape, the leuco tape, the cover roll, and the rock tape. Yep. That makes sense to me. Good. So now you already mentioned the precautions of taping. So we need to probably talk about that because there are some definite do's and don'ts here, things to be careful for, things to look for, and you were very clear 
in the services that we did on the do's and don'ts of this and the precautions. So I think everybody left there with like, do this or don't do this. Yes. <laughs> and I'm saying it because there's just for liability reasons and mm-hmm. safety reasons. Obviously, you've done your research, you know you want to use tape, you think it's going to be beneficial for the patient. A lot of the tapes are hypoallergenic anyway, but we're working with children. Some of them have very sensitive skin. So you always want to allergy test them first and make sure the tape, the adhesive is not going to have any reaction with their skin. And you never tape over an existing rash or an open wound or an abrasion. You might be taping a child and they may get an irritation from it. And I'll say to the parent, that has to heal 100% before we put any tape back on. You always want to consider the age of the patient because we do have little ones that have more sensitive skin, they're more fragile, not just the age of the patient, but also like their cognitive abilities because if you look at where you're putting it and is it going to be a choking hazard? And so that's my biggest area of concern. If there is the possibility that they could choke on it, it is don't do it. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, a child is mouthing everything, like everything. I mean, there's some kids, like we give stickers at the end of our therapy sessions a lot of time, and there's some kids I would never even consider giving a sticker to because they're going to rip that off their clothes and I'm afraid they'll stick it right in their mouth as soon as whatever. So if they're mouthing everything, then they probably might not be, or if, depending on the, also the cognitive level and that kind of thing. So you really have to know your families. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, know what's happening with them, and this taping at one size does not fit all. No. I guess I'm putting words in your mouth. So you wouldn't want to start taping if you just met this patient and five minutes later start taping. Absolutely not. But there's also not an age where you can't tape. Like it could be a six-month-old baby or it could be a one-year-old or a two-year-old. You just have to know your patient. How about like preemies? It would not be necessarily any more or less sensitive than any other child, would it? I mean, you're probably not going to be taping like a preemie that just came home from the hospital. Right. But if they're like six months, seven months, eight months, and they're needing something, I would test them and see how their skin's going to react. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt to test it, and then you'll know. I guess I'm just asking that, too, because, well, you know, in the hospital, there's a lot of tape on. Yep. Sometimes in the NICU, you do see some wounds from taping or positioning or something. Yep. I want to make sure we went over the allergy stuff a lot because you and I talked a lot about this, and you talked a lot about that. So when you test a patient's reaction, what are you looking for? Well, number one, we do like a 24-hour patch test. So I'm going to put it on the patient. And if it's a small child, I might put it on the back of their neck where they're not going to reach it, like a one by one inch square. I'll put that on the back of their neck where they can't grab at it. And I'll tell mom, okay, I'm putting this on at 9.30 in the morning. Tomorrow morning at 9.30, I want you to go ahead and take it off. If you see any redness, irritation around the tape, go ahead and remove it sooner. Let me know. Give me a call so I can document it. If Mm. you get it off the next morning at 9.30, all good, no rash, nothing happened, great. We'll talk about it the next time you come in. You might be ready for some tape. But all of that goes in a documented note. So you talk about 24-hour patch test. That's kind of what you're calling it, right? And mm-hmm. then the follow-up to that is 24 hours later, this therapist talks to this family. Yes. Or in the next session. Like, I'll tell the family if any redness, anything happens. I usually don't have people that have a reaction to it. Right. So this is just like a once-in-a-blue-moon kind of thing. Something's going to come up. But that will be the family that calls you, like, that night and is like, hey, I went to give them a bath and noticed there was redness around it. Okay, discontinue. Don't do it anymore. 
Right. So just stop altogether. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's why you have to know your family and know that they are going to follow through on it and know that they are going to take it off at 930 the next morning like you told them to do. And you are going to have to follow up in that next session to be like, it was on for 24 hours. What time did you take it off? Was there any redness, any irritation, any skin breakdown? You're going to look at the skin area. Yep, it's good to go. We're good. If you're a therapist working somewhere and you never have any connection with the family, then this may not be an option. It could be an option if you've got the classroom on board. Mm -hmm. I just worked with a therapist this week out at the CDC and... She did the patch test prior to taping. She taped it and she removed the tape within two hours. So she physically Mm. went into the classroom. She got good results. The teachers were like, yeah, he was reaching and opening his hands a lot more and good results. But she was like, well, you know, what if I want to send it home? Should I call mom? And I'm like, nope, mom comes in. Yes. There is a parent session. No tape goes home until... They are 100% on board. So you don't have to have a parent consent. Well, we already have consent for treatment. And so there's not a special consent for taping. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Because nope. it's just a modality part of the treatment and therapist gotcha. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. But you want to document all of that communication with that parent, what was said, safety precautions, all of that needs to be reiterated again and again with the parent. I knew you were going to say that. I mean, mm-hmm. about the documentation thing, because every time... Because I am anal about that documentation. <laughs> well, you have to be, really. Somebody had bet me money, I could have said, this is what she's going to say next, because every time we've <laughs> talked about this, and through those in-services that you did here, you really emphasized it, which you're 100% right. It has to be. I think that's key in this whole thing. You have to document everything, but you would anyway. That's just good documentation. You need to document, yeah. I just think of it as, God forbid something were to happen. Yeah. I mean, we would never want anything to happen, but what if it did? And we had no documentation that we educated the parent, talked to the parent, explained anything to the parent. That's on us. Mm -hmm. So if you don't document it, don't do it. Exactly. If you don't document it, don't do it. I always say, if you think, should I write that down? Write that down. Always. But also just for patient care. For example, if you taped a patient today, like at a school or somewhere, and then you took the tape off before the family went home and there was no reaction or anything, but then for some whatever reason, maybe the child got uh, poison ivy, I don't know, but went home and then broke out some kind of rash, you would need the documentation, not just to protect you, but it would, but also to help maybe with whatever skin treatment that that doctor or another prof- healthcare professional might need. So you would need to right. have it documented so that it's clear what's exactly going on with this child, you know, for mm-hmm. example. Now, um, we talked about the allergy and then the choking hazard and then also clear information. Like talk about the communication with the parents and the teachers and that kind of thing. Yeah, you need to be very deliberate, very clear that like, okay, 24-hour patch test, you're removing the tape at 9.30. This is how you take the tape off. You don't do it in the shower. You don't do it in the bathtub. You pull it off slowly. Like you're just very specific with the Mm -hmm. parent, not leaving them open to having to interpret what they're supposed to do. Right. And I write it down for them. Like on their little home program pad, Write it down for them. Mm -hmm. Here you go. (laughs) So you tell them and you write it down. I do. Yeah. Well, I think that's just wise because with anything new, I think always, and I've just learned this just through the years of of working with people and managing or doing therapy or whatever, you tell people and write it down because even just dealing with me personally, when my daughter was getting physical therapy, it helps me to write it down. And then recently when I was at the physical therapist, he had me taking pictures of the exercise I was supposed to do. And I thought, I don't really need to do this, but I 
promise you, I got home and I was like, what now? What was I supposed to do? And I really have had to look back at my pictures. I stole that because that's where I got that from. It was good though. So you could even take pictures of the taping thing if you wanted to. I mean, you could use your technology, which would be your phone or yep. whatever, because it's right there and have the patient take pictures or do whatever, you know? And I like to do videos too, because then I can ah. explain it in the video. So I'll have the parent now do videos of what we're working on. And so then if the child goes to a daycare, I can be like, here, you can take this into your daycare and show them what the actual activity is. Because you know, it's like whisper down the lane. Yeah. Something yeah. gets dropped off. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. When those teachers are dealing with so many kids and then moms or dads coming in or guardians or whoever it is, aunt coming in or uncle, whatever. I mean, you leave and then child spills like juice all over the back car seat and they have the exercises, but then it just things gets mumbled up. So write it down. Tell them and then write it down. And I've been known to tape it to the wall in the classroom too. <laughs> if I wanted to be real specific, like here, do this. So... I've never heard anybody complain about that, though, either. I've never heard anybody say, oh, God, I wish you wouldn't write that down. Like, never. No. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. So, like, oh, man, I, I, do not give me a copy of those exercises you want me to do. Nobody's ever said that. They've only said to me, I wish I had that written down. <laughs> <laughs> there are some families that I'm very, like, take this home, hang it on your fridge so Dad can see what she did today. Because I'm just like, that's the only way that <laughs> this is going to be made yeah. to happen, you know? Yeah. I'm like, it's bright green. Put it on your fridge or it's bright pink. You'll see it. You got to remember to do these every day until you come back in next week. Right. And especially with the taping, they need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, then you document that you did that in your daily note. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this because when you document that you've given parents instructions, I don't write it grammatically correct either. You and I have talked about that and we have podcasts on how to write daily notes, so we won't go into that too much detail. But for this particular situation, when I document and given a parent or a teacher something specific, I usually say oral motor exercises given, including lip stretches, jaw strengthening or whatever, and parent express or teacher express understanding. Like I always put that in there. So that they know, yes, they got it, they received it, and they said, yes, I can do this. Do you mm -hmm. have any suggestions about what you write different than me? Well, yeah, parent express understanding or parent agrees to follow through with the following. Right. Just something like that. Do you write more than just home program given? You write specifically what you gave them? I write specifically what was given because that helps me to follow up with what they did the week prior. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I'll come in and be like, okay, can you show me how you're doing the homework that we talked about last week? Because if I gave them three and they only do one of them and I'm like, do you remember what the other two were? You're not doing your homework. Mm -mm. Yeah, you're right. So it kind of lets you check in in mm -hmm. a nice way. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's also bad to be in the position where you can't remember what you gave them. And then they ask you like, oh, I did those first two, but then the third one, I can't remember. If you don't right. write it down, then you're like, mm, what happened again? Exactly. That's, that's a bad place to be. Speak, not speaking from experience at all. <laughs> but just, I'm just, hypothetically, I would imagine that would be a bad place to be. So, because, um, you know, we are all, part, but anyway, okay. So, we're going to cover a little bit of how to tape a patient. Explain what you're going to talk about with how to tape a patient. Yeah. So, you know, you've got your anatomy, you know where you're taping, you know what muscle to tape, all of that stuff. But I just wanted to share just a couple of examples. Like you're not taping an adult. They're not going to sit still for you. 
<laughs> this is work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be sweating by the time you're done putting yeah. this tape on. But you don't just sit them down and they're in there for five minutes and you're like, okay, they're good to tape. We tested them. There are no allergies. Let's go ahead and put this tape on. Like you want to make sure you're doing your range of motion. You're getting your baseline because you want to then apply the tape. And then you want to see functionally, what are they able to do differently? What's better? What's not better? So that's what you're documenting. That's the improvement. That's the outcome and the assessment of how it helps them. So you want to start small. Sometimes we're working with children with sensory needs and, you know, they don't like stuff on their skin. So how are you going to put tape on them? Paula, another speech therapist we work with years ago at the CDC, the doctor came in and was like, well, her vision is poor. She needs to wear an eye patch. Hmm. And I'm like, you want us to put an eye patch on her? On the, on the patient? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. No. Mom's like, she throws a fit, she's screaming, she rips it off, and that was not happening. It took weeks, but we started with the eye patch on her hand Mm. and then on her arm, and it slowly went up to her face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. it starts really small. And sometimes, you know, you've got to get into their world. What do they like? You know, we do Spider Man hands or. You got to make it fun. It can't just be like, oh, here's your tape. Like, this is your spidey hand. And it's got to be creative and you've got to get into their world with it. And age appropriate. For a four year old little boy, that's extremely age appropriate. That's cool. And it's right. (laughs) And you are the cool guy because you got the Spider Man hands or the whatever it is. And it doesn't matter what it is, whatever their thing is, because it's got to be fun. Yes. And you'll get buy-in then and excitement. And right. you know what that also does? It communicates to the family or to the teacher that you care. And you know what makes this little kid tick. And you care about wanting to make it better for this child. And, you know, my mom told me a long time ago, she said, you love anybody that loves your child. And if you communicated like, okay, this kid's all about some Spider-Man or a Hulk or whatever the heck it is. If you've got an outside person, the therapist that knows, hey, his favorite thing is Spider-Man, so we're having Spider-Man hands, that communicates, I care about your child, I want him to get better. And that's huge. You get all kinds of buy-in in that situation because you love somebody that loves your child. You know, from your mom, I'm a mom. If somebody loves your child, you're like, oh, I love you. You love my child. You'll listen to them then. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as a therapist, are you having a bad day if you're talking about Spider-Man hands? I mean, that's a good day. Right. You know, (laughs) that's fun. And if for those of us who are taking notes, because I am, what you set up earlier about the range of motion and the baseline and all that, that's huge. And making it functional and understanding, you know, what they can do differently. For those listening to the podcast, write in your car now, pull over and write that down. (laughs) Hit rewind Uh, because that's huge. (laughs) But then also for documenting, then what? Well, I think one of the bigger questions is, you know, do you think you need to change your plan of care because you're doing taping? And you don't. You're still trying to achieve the same goals and the same functional outcomes. It's just a modality and a means of how you're getting there. So it's not like you need authorization to put the tape on. As long as it falls in your plan of care as you've got facilitation and those words, that's what you're doing with tape. So what type of words would you use then in your therapy-specific interventions? Would you use to document when you're taping? Facilitation would be a good one. Neuromuscular re-education or re-education of movement, re-education of alignment, joint alignment, 
improvement of the kinematic chain. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is what you're trying to achieve. Yes. And then those are all good examples of things that could be in your daily note if you're doing taping and all that. Yes. Okay, right. good. So I also went on the documentation side of the house. Then also billing kind of goes right with that because you document what you did and then you bill what you did. This is, in my world, pretty black and white. It's either write, which means you documented exactly what you did, and you build exactly what you did. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. And so for billing, what happens with billing when you do taping? Not much is going to change because you're still doing facilitation. You're still doing neuromuscular re-ed, your 97112 code. You're still doing a therapeutic activity, 97530, just with the tape on. Or you're still doing therapeutic exercise. You're doing strengthening and range of motion with tape. So 97110. Not really much is going to change. Gotcha. That makes good sense to me. It's just like you said, another set of hands. Yep. To make you more successful and that child more successful. And then this is just sort of a sidebar question, but I wondered about this. I think I've asked it before, but say, you know, your child leaves there and they have tape on them and that kind of stuff. How long would you leave the tape on before you took it off? It's still going to keep its usefulness forever. Right. And that's one of the things that we covered in the All Taped Up course is children can leave it on for two to three days. Adults can leave it on a little bit longer. There's ways to cut the tape and anchor the tape so that it doesn't roll up and peel off as quickly. But Two to three days is pretty standard. A lot of times where you see rashing out happen is if they're wearing it in the bathtub and it Mm. gets wet and then they leave it on. And that's where it starts to cause a little bit of irritation. But then we just leave it off for a couple of days and then reapply later. Gotcha. Because it does stay on in the shower and stuff. I know with my own child it has before. And she didn't have any reaction to it or anything. But it did stay on even through the shower or bath or whatever. Or maybe even the swimming pool. I can't really remember, but yeah. I've seen a lot of like occupational therapists use it. PTs, if they're the first one in for like a upper extremity that, you know, they've got wrist flexion, finger flexion. They're at huge risk for getting contractures down the road. And then functionally, how's that going to limit them? So taping with that, you know, the tape is far more of a facilitator than like a Benic hand splint. You put a Benic hand splint on, you just took away hand function. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Benic serves as more of a resting hand splint, whereas the tape is more of a functional use. You can do stuff with the tape on. It's facilitating the movement. Because the goal should be that they would get so they could do the movement without the tape. The tape's helping them do the movement that you're trying to achieve. But you need repetition, 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 because you've got to retrain that brain and the neuromotor pattern and the sequence, and you've got to make it become a motor plan, all that. Mm -hmm. And then, again, that would lead right into the webinar that we haven't created yet, but will. (laughs) And so that whole big, deep sigh was what is next. Sounds like a plan. There you go. And we're going to do that. Yes. So if you're looking on our website for that, you're not going to find it right now because it's not there. But (laughs) I so wish those people out there listening could have heard the All Taped Up class. And so it will be a webinar because it was awesome. And just the reaction of the therapist was fantastic. So it was good. I think the greatest thing to see is it's being used. People Mm -hmm. are doing it now. It was really phenomenal. But I think personally, it needs to be a mandatory (laughs) class. So if you're thinking about interviewing with us or putting your resume in for us, just know you're going to have to watch the all taped up webinar because this is going to be a mandatory requirement of the job. All right. Have we anything else you want to add, Kirstie? No, I don't think so. I think that gives a good basics of the do's and don'ts. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it does. Kind of some of my soapbox topics. <laughs> well, yeah, they're all good. They're all valid. These are huge. It's important. This is with the basics. You can't really go forward until you get the stuff right here. Mm-hmm. 
really. You won't be successful. So, Kirstie, as we wrap this podcast up, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, the I guess the biggest takeaway is to just not be afraid of it, to get out there and try it, to go ahead and review your anatomy, know what you're looking to achieve, and just know that you're going to have to individualize it to your patient. So as long as you have a basic understanding and a foundation for it, that every patient's anatomy is a little bit different, their size is different, and you're going to have to tweak it. So you might not get it 100% right the first time, but at least you have a baseline and you know where to go and what to change as you go along. Yes, exactly. I was writing that down because that's kind of good for everything. Because isn't that what we always do as therapists overall with plan of care? But then with this taping, you summed it up. I really was writing all that down. Again, thank you again, Kirsty. Like I said, appreciate all your insight, all your knowledge. So much good information. So thank you. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And for everybody out there listening for this podcast and others, you can go to our workingtherapist.com website and listen to other podcasts. You can also go to our website and click on the Working Therapist link to listen to all and see all the podcasts we've done. So check that out and other good stuff on our website. Check that out as well. www.pediatricdt.com is the website. And then you can click from there to go to the Working Therapist and then podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. And I will catch you on another episode of the Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 